Recovery in Color podcast discusses adult topics including but not limited to addiction, depression, alcoholism, suicide, death, and other intense discussions that some may find triggering and or upsetting and is not intended for children or really workspaces. The conversations in this podcast are a reflection of my personal experience and perspective on those personal experiences and are not to be taken as any form of counseling or advice. I'm not a therapist or psychiatrist or a life coach and do not have any formal training. These are opinions built on personal experiences and should be treated as such. The names have been changed in some cases to respect the anonymity of the parties involved. With that being said, enjoy the show. count episode one is just a rundown i understand that there's something up with the i don't know teaser episode and uh yeah i don't know how to fix it right now so we're just gonna like you know send it run it live whatever fuck it go live i don't i can't remember the phrase i have had a day of some feelings and it's only 11 a.m. and I don't know what's up with me but sometimes those days happen and I think maybe it's like part of it is getting ready to do these recordings because I'm getting ready to dig around in some weird stuff and I don't know how comfortable I am but you know what I said I'd do it so I'm gonna do it and here we are um I said in the last episode that we were gonna start with you know some of my we're gonna start begin at the beginning if you will like so many retellings do and you know I was thinking a lot about the last couple days over um just like behaviors I have now that manifested when I was young but kind of went unnoticed and not unnoticed in the sense that like I didn't burn anything down Um, I don't have the McDonald triad, I don't think, at least not in a confined sense. Um, I think we've all probably peed the bed as a child. We've all probably, uh, burned something or lit something on fire that probably shouldn't have been lit on fire at one point or another. And we've probably all had a moment where we weren't so nice to an animal, but probably didn't actually follow through with harming it. So, I mean, you know, same as any other kid, I had some weird shit, but I mean, I think I had, I think in the beginning I had some instilled insecurities that really affected my ability to, you know, make the right turn at those forks in the road. When I was, so I remember, and I don't know if any of you have had an experience like this, and chances are most of you have, um, or maybe you were one of the people around and have seen an experience like this, but I remember in like, I don't know, I was probably seven, second grade. I don't know, however old a second grader is. Um, I remember 
like sitting at the boys table and I, I genuinely remember I was sitting with the boys and we were laughing and I think I had made like a funny sound kind of like a cut and they said it reminded them of a copy machine and I did it again and they were all laughing and we had like good time. It was fine. But then at some point, I don't remember if it was the same day or later, a girl from the same class came up to me and was like, why are you sitting with the boys? And the look on her face, like, to me, very clearly read as you're doing something wrong. And in my world, it was so important to make sure people were happy and liked me that this kind of threw me for a weird loop. And maybe, I mean, I suppose we could say it might have been um, because my parent died when I was young. Parent, one singular. I have My mom's still alive. My dad passed away when I was young, very young, pre-seven, obviously, before we moved here. And there was this, like, inherent insecurity that seemed to really instill itself in me around this time. And I keep finding myself looking back and thinking, man, I wonder what it would have been like if I had just like been the girl that hung out with the boys. And everyone always tells me, it makes me, it actually hurts. This is going to get ready for some corny shit. It actually hurts my feelings when people do the like, well, you should have done this, or you know what I would have done in that situation. And what I hear all the time is, well, I would have told those girls to fuck off because hang out with the boys. But would you have, would seven-year-old you have been able to do that? And isn't it kind of like fucked up that we put those expectations on other people? Like, well, that you did that decision to yourself. I was a child. And as a child, I wanted to be embraced and accepted and I wanted to have a group of friends and it wasn't that I I had already kind of started to develop this group of friends at at the quote-unquote boys table but I had no self-assurance or like esteem in myself to worry about my wants and needs and not worry about other people's wants and needs And so in that moment, what happened was I immediately recognized that I had done something wrong or someone thought I was bad or weird or it was clearly hanging out with the wrong group. And I think she at one point asked me, well, why don't you come sit with us? And at first I was I don't know, I guess, uh, hopeful enough that maybe my friendship was something they wanted too. So I would take my friendship and go add it to their table. And maybe they were nice and maybe they liked me and we should always give people a chance to be friends. Right. And like, um, you know, uh, make new friends, keep the old, make as many friends as you can. But that, you know, it turned out very, very different. And that's a whole other story, like the social group I ended up getting into. But that's, I think, the identifiable moment for me when my insecurities really started to hit. And I started to realize that I wasn't going to be able to make everyone happy. 
there was a real brief moment where like the boys group kind of tried to acknowledge and get me back. I think one of them even asked, why don't you sit with us anymore? And I think I even told him, well, I'm supposed to sit with the girls, I think, or the girls want me to sit with them. And so very early on, even my own friendships were not about me. And I think that really set a precedent in my life for how I was going to work through the rest of my life. And man, guys, it was not a good setup to run with. (laughs) It was very, very counterproductive because you can't keep everyone happy. But I had acquired this role as peacemaker. I also remember from a very young age, everyone kind of being like, Christina is so nice. She's so understanding. She's so good. She was always just worried about everyone. And that became what my personality was. And if I couldn't think of something nice to say, I would go into the then don't say anything at all thing, which really just meant a lot of times as a child, I started freezing up and not being able to articulate things. And I think it manifested in other weird ways, you know, like, uh, so I had this, uh, many, not many years later, but like a couple years down the road, I had this metal cabinet in my room and I started to do this thing where I would food hoard. And a lot of people, I can already feel lights going off of people being like, well, that's a sign of of food deprivation or of abuse. And here's the thing. We weren't food deprived. We were, there was always food. Um, If anything, there was probably more food than we knew what to do with. It's just the age old tale of like, maybe there wasn't always chips in the cupboard because you'd have to actually like warm up the dinner mom made, which really just means she took the time (laughs) to make dinners before she went to work all night. Um, But as a kid, you don't see that. And I used to do things like take a jar of peanut butter and a thing of powdered sugar, and I would keep that in my room. And what it did for me, it wasn't even always that I was hungry or anything. It was really more that like knowing I had this thing that was yummy and sweet and other people were definitely going to look at me weird for eating it. So I couldn't really show anyone, but clearly I'm already doing wrong stuff anyway. I'm sitting at the wrong tables. I'm not friends with the right people. I'm supposed to be supportive and positive and there for everyone at any time. So as a small child, I would like hoard and keep this powdered sugar and peanut butter and it was delicious and it tasted good. And I would sit in my room and eat it and it made me feel good for, for some weird reason. It made me feel this like comfort. It released dopamine in my brain. Um, whether it was the knowing that I could privately do something socially unacceptable without anyone saying anything to me about it. Or if it was just that like powdered sugar and peanut butter are delicious and delicious things release dopamine in our brain. Who knows? Um, But that was like definitively, these are little manifestations of looking back as an adult. I'm like, huh, 
in hindsight, that could probably be taken as a sign of some kind. So in that sense, I feel like I've always kind of had this odd one out. And I'm sure you have too. In fact, everyone kind of has always had that moment where they feel like the third wheel or the odd one out or like the person who isn't supposed to be at the party. Um, or maybe you even knew the person who was like the odd one out. Sorry for all the ums and likes. Like I said, it's been a day. And actually I accidentally like broke my recording and paused it for a second by accident. I didn't pause it. I stopped it and it downloaded. And then I like had to sit down and cry for a minute. So it's taking me a second to like retain myself. Anyway, that's not important. The, so like, here's some signs of like that, that weird person, or at least signs that I was that weird person that made people look at me sideways. And I always thought that I was just like a super sensitive freak that something was, it all comes down to like, something's wrong with you, doesn't it? Um, at least for me in my life, it did. It was always like this endless search of, of what's wrong with me. Let's dig it. If we can, if I could just fix that thing, that's wrong with me, how do I fix it? And my first attempt to fix it that I can remember, I think was moving from the boys table to this group of girls. Um, And then when I was hanging out with the group of girls, I felt like there was more stuff being pointed out to me. And I mean, I look back now and I feel like that's what was happening. In the moment, it was so chaotic and jarring and I was so wrapped up in making sure I was liked and people knew I liked them and everyone felt like I was a good friend and, you know, be a good friend, be a good person. If someone's mean to you, they're probably hurt and it's your job to be that much nicer to them. Be nice to hurt people, hurt people. Don't hurt people. You know, be that better, bigger person. It was written all over the walls in kindergarten. It's your, the golden rule and whatnot. Uh, except, like, that doesn't, that's not actually real all the time, is it? Because there's no, like, golden rule police that's going to come and sit you in time out for being a dick. Because freedom of speech, you can say whatever you want. If people don't want to respect your feelings, technically they don't have to as long as they're not opening, threatening your life. There's really nothing you can do about it. That's also a lesson I learned. Um, But more on that on another date. So the, the, like the next thing that started manifesting was weird behaviors like The kids could all tease each other and they could all make jokes and the kids would kind of like snap back at each other. And, you know, that's when you develop the like snap back thing. You know, did you guys, I'm sure everybody went through some version of the like yo mama jokes phase, which I understand in social media is kind of like getting clapped back at right now because fucking respect your mother. You wouldn't be alive without her. Even if she's garbage, at least recognize that that woman Push you out of her body. Anyway, moving on. It manifested for me in ways of like, instead of learning how to clap back, I would just like cry. <laughs> um, and my feelings would be really hurt. And I wouldn't really understand because I would never say any of some of the stuff they said to me to people. 
my mom would never have it. You weren't allowed to be mean to people for sport in my world. And if you tried to do that, you got really stern lectures and possibly scoldings, yellings at lots of shame involved in like, you're not a shitty person. I don't raise shitty people. And that being said, there's still a lot of shitty people in the world. And weirdly enough, kids who are practicing and trying out shitty behavior. So what happened? I ended up being the closest friends with some of the meanest people in the class, particularly the mean girls, not the popular girls, not the we wear pink on Wednesday mean girls, different kind of mean girl, uh, but very similar damage. And like crying when other people could just clap back at insults or it was brought to my attention a couple times that my speech volume isn't consistent. I talk loudly. Sometimes I don't talk loudly enough or there even seemed to be like a genuine fracture in communication. I speak different than other people. I guess. And maybe it started happening as a child because there seemed to be a genuine lack of understanding. And eventually I kind of, it just barely got brought to my attention recently that I don't make eye contact well, particularly when I'm getting ready to confront an uncomfortable situation. I will look down to the side or I'll look over usually the left shoulder behind the person I'm talking to. And it all kind of stems from this weird insecurity that I carry with me constantly that started when I started living my life to make sure other people were comfortable around me. And then it didn't work. So other things started manifesting. Um, I also started doing like this, oh, my mom, my poor mother. I remember one time, and again, looking back now, it's super logical that she was super pissed because if my son did this, I'd be super pissed. But she sent me to the store to buy, I don't know, pick your, pick your thing, milk or eggs or something that we needed. Butter, maybe. Maybe it's milk. Anyway, it's not important. But what I did in my weird plotty manifestation to get my needs met, which was slowly becoming just needing sugar or candy or really just needing, no, I guess it was sugar and candy. I don't know. Maybe through listening to this, you'll have an opinion on what exactly I was doing, but I took her money, what was undoubtedly her last $20 maybe it was 10 to the little corner store and I bought her eggs or whatever. But then I also bought like a candy bar, like a king size candy bar, which was like almost $2. It would have been exactly the change probably. And then I played it off. Like I had gotten it for her as like a nice thing to do. And she was mad about it, understandably. And in my brain, I was like, well, she's mad about it, so I'll take it back anyway. 
And of course, looking back now in my adult long game mind, I'm like, well, that was probably my plan all along. Really? Singing is fine. Screeching is unnecessary. And I ended up just, I think I ended up just taking the candy bar back and eating it in silence or something, which of course resulted in getting scolded, which makes plenty of sense. Because in an adult world, like, that was probably her last $10. And, you know, the $2 and change probably were going to go in a change jar for her to be able to buy gas to go to work. In my kid brain, though, for some reason, I had start. My only comfort had started to become, like, junk food. It made me feel good. It didn't talk back. No one... I don't know. Even if people like judged me about it, that seemed very normal. Cause like no one's supposed to let you eat sugar. Of course, sugar is bad. So. That's probably the beginning of it. And it, like I said, I'm trying really hard to stay on task. I'm a little bit distraught. I like, it really was. It was. I was thinking about this, and it's really just become a. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I like. I almost want to cry right now. It's so frustrating sometimes when you are your own worst enemy. I think I, sorry for the long pause, um, I have a wonderful, wonderful person who has agreed to help me edit some of this, and hopefully I can get them to cut out pieces of long pauses. And it wasn't all bad. We did lots of fun things as a kid. There were lots of vacations and really positive things, but... I never felt like I belonged. And the one time I did feel like I belonged that I can remember, um, I immediately gave it up to make other people happy. So I guess if I could say anything about this particular first episode is that I am, you know, now at 30, I'm 33. Shut up. Don't talk to me about it. I'm 30. You know, semantics, don't worry about it. Um, it is just now that I'm really starting and three years not drinking, it took me to really start to process some of this. And I've had counselors and that helps and people keep telling me I should write a book. Um, except I have mass amounts of ADD and dyslexia and can't seem to like get that organized. So here we are manifested in a podcast where I talk about my deepest, darkest discomforts with myself. And if anything, maybe I guess the end goal is I, I hope, I hope, I hope that someone out there feels a little less alone or maybe a little less harsh to themselves 
for just, you know, we out there with that inherent, I don't fit feeling. And chances are we probably do fit. I was talking to my mom today and she made the point when I was going off on my insecure ramble that, um, quote, you know, it's all in your head, right? It's fictional. And I do know, I know I'm, I'm, I am, I know I am 98% positive that, you know, my family does like me and my fiance loves me very much. And I do have genuine friends out there, but there is this small percentage. And even though it's small, it's consistent. And it's a consistent reminder that is still the voice of that one girl saying, why are you sitting at that table? And then me leaving that table to go sit with them where it inherently became a, why are you wearing this? Why do you dress like that? Why does your voice sound like this? A constant questioning of every piece of my character that the insecurities just exploded from that point on. I couldn't get through a day without constantly I my my favorite comfort place became the bathroom does anyone else have that that like weird comfort place that's comfortable to you that no one else really knows about mine is the bathroom I will when I get uncomfortable I will go hide in bathrooms it's crazy and then when I started drinking badly that like snowballed into where I would spend hours in a bathroom just like sometimes crying, sometimes playing with makeup, sometimes drinking alone, sometimes I'd take a shower. But either way, it was like this safe little box that no one could come into. Because when you're in a bathroom, it's no one's supposed to bug you, right? Like they're, they're supposed to leave you alone, kind of. It's assumed that you're going to the bathroom. You're busy. So it became my safe space. I apologize if you can hear a tissue. I am... I won't lie. I'm wiping my eyes. <laughs> it's fine though. But I mean, I'm going to try to get through it. I'm going to keep sharing this craziness with you. I'm going to try to get through it. I want to put this out there. I want people to know you're probably not weird. Chances are I well, I hope I hope I'm not weird. Maybe I am weird. I don't know. I might put this out here at, in the world and people might get back to me and be like, there's something very wrong with you. Or at least there was something very wrong with you. I guess my lesson I would say at the end of this episode is I never like, I never like it when people say, Everything you've done up to this point is your own fault. Because that sounds accusatory. But I would say looking back on my life, a lot of the most damaging choices I've ever made were the choices I made on behalf of other people. The choices I made to make sure other people were comfortable. 
And in making sure that the unhappy people were happy, I forgot to connect with people who were genuinely happy and secure within themselves. And if in the second grade, that was the boys. And it was true in the fifth grade. And it was true. And I had given up my opportunity to be with what was what was very possibly like my true best friendy, best friendy friends group because another group that was totally damaged and insecure and angry and hurt and so badly wanted to share that hurt that in order to fulfill that need for them, because you're supposed to be there to help the most hurt people in the world. Happy people are fine, but you're supposed to be there. If someone's hurt, you should be there for them. And so I took myself away from my happy, comfortable space and I inserted myself into this other quote unquote friend group and we'll get into it on the next episode, but man, the, the, it, it didn't, it wasn't good. (laughs) It wasn't good. And I, I, have really had to come to terms with that and come to terms with in my current life, what I'm doing to kind of adjust that is it probably looks like I have no friends, but really the reality is I'm being so fucking careful (laughs) about who my friends are now and who I offer to myself. And I'm also fucking scared. I don't, I'm super flighty and have my own flaws and don't know where I stand with other friendships in particular because I don't have a great history with them and the friendships that were good I broke to cater to the shitty ones which is a whole mess in itself oh I feel better Do I feel better? Maybe I feel better. I don't know. My birds are still screaming at me and it's like making me... You've ever seen the cartoon characters with the little vein twitch? It's about where I'm at right now. But it's fine. It'll be fine. (laughs) Nothing like a pet to, to just nail your point home. Um, be kind to yourself, everybody. I don't know. I hope you heard something in here that was valuable to you. If you didn't, then I want you to know that it's valuable to me that you were here and listened to it. And I value your time and I appreciate your time and be kind to yourself and make, be kind to others, but mostly be kind to yourself and forgive yourself. And I don't have a clever sign off yet. So I guess I'll just leave you with the bird sounds of nonsense because they probably have better things to say than I do. Thank you so much. Bye.